Live from our man caves in Hawaii and Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild, where Blem, Poopus, and Mike D bring you the latest news, rumors, analytics, predictions, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going, boys. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 12 of MLS Gone Wild. This is your host, Blem. What is up, everybody? This is Mike D. Our guest on this episode has recorded four goals and four assists in just 565 minutes of action this year. He is the youngest goal scorer in Colorado Rapids history and was just ranked number two in Kalen Carr's annual 22 under 22 list. Our guest this week is Colorado born and raised 19 year old Rapids homegrown star, Cole Bassett. Cole, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. I uh, can't wait to get this, this interview going. Cole, man, yeah, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? How are you doing today, Cole? Good. Uh, we've had a, a tough few or a tough week, I'd say, uh, here in Colorado. We've had a lot of COVID cases. So today was our first day back in full team training. So I'd say it's a good day um, compared to what we've had in the past week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you healthy, Cole? I am healthy, yeah. Uh, so far, I've stayed po- or, um, pretty healthy. So, yeah, uh, hopefully that continues. Great. So you basically just let us right into our next question. Like most of us loyal MLS fans know, you guys did go through that with the positive COVID cases for coaches and players. Mm-hmm. Your past two games have been postponed. The game against SKC and Portland, both postponed. And you do have an upcoming match on Wednesday against LAFC. Is there any kind of update on that? I did see something about there won't be fans in your next two home games, but are you guys still planning on playing that game on Wednesday? Yeah, as players, we're, we're preparing to play. Um, we obviously won't have the biggest squad just with the guys that did get it have to quarantine, and a lot of our staff have it as well. So we've kind of got some fill-in staff as well for now. Um, but, yeah, we're preparing to play. I don't know what the official word is yet from the league. They probably have to clear it, and LAFC has to agree to play as well because they probably don't want to go into an environment where they have a chance of getting it. But uh, I think we, we believe that we're going to play. So we're all preparing to do that right now. Yeah. Good. And preparations have been a little bit strange for you guys over the past couple of weeks. You guys haven't been able to train together since all this popped off. So with a short week, you guys only have two days of training. You, that, you guys think you'll be ready for that match? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've obviously had a week or so off, but um, we've we've been doing stuff during that time. We've had Zoom workouts and stuff on our own where we can go to – at least I live uh, close to my local high school, so I can go out there to the, the track and the field and do stuff like that. So I think we'll be ready. Uh, obviously, LAFC is probably one of the tougher opponents that you're going to play in the West, but uh, I think we're, we're ready to get at it because we always love a challenge. Absolutely. What kinds of adjustments are you guys looking to make, you know, with a little bit of a thinner squad? Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be tough. Like, obviously, I can't reveal, like, any lineups and stuff like that. But um, playing LAFC at home, we want to still kind of try to continue what we've been doing, especially versus Galaxy and San Jose in recent weeks. Uh, and that we've been able to get a lot of pressure to the ball, especially with everybody uh, except for the, except for their center backs. So just their midfield is kind of their key. So we're, we're going to try to deny that uh, and not let the ball get into K and out to West End. I think Cifuentes has gone on international duties, so uh, maybe Hinella or whoever else plays in there. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that you guys get a chance to play. Uh, nobody likes the, the ugly head of COVID that's reared itself once again. But yeah. you know, being from, from Colorado, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced your, your fair amount of snowstorms. We're going to take it back a little bit. Um, but, I mean, playing in one, it's totally a different kind of experience. 
And on March 2nd, 2019, you made your Burgundy debut uh, in a 3-3 tie versus Portland in what has been dubbed the Snow Classico or Snow Classico 3. The kickoff temperature was 18 degrees Fahrenheit, making it the coldest game in MLS history. Conditions continue to get worse and, you know, play had to be stopped every 10 minutes or so so the ground crews could come out and plow the penalty areas and make sure those lines were visible. Despite the conditions, that ball still found the back of the net six mm -hmm. times. What was it like playing in that match? That's like none other. Yeah, it was it was weird. And like you said, it was the coldest match, I think, in MLS. And I believe we also had the coldest match ever in American history, but it was in the Champions League the year before versus Toronto or something like that. Um, so we've had our fair share of snow games. But this one was different because obviously your home opener, you want it to go well. And it just started coming down like right at game time. Like it was fine. Like we showed up to the stadium, there's no snow on the ground. And then. By the end of the game, you guys probably saw pictures of it, uh, how much snow was really on the field. But um, for me personally, it was it was nice because I normally a younger player doesn't go through preseason and start the first game of the season. Uh, it's normally like towards the end of the season where players start earning their minutes. So I was pretty happy to get the start in that game. But we actually ended up getting a red card um, about 30 minutes into the game. And I was the uh, I don't I forget how you say it, but the, the sub that they used to change things up. So I got pulled out around the 40th minute because uh, we had to bring a center back on because our center back got a red card. So yeah, uh, that, that kind of sucked for me. But besides that, it was it was fun to watch from the sideline, especially the, the late tying goal that we had. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, that, that famous picture of the referee with the icicles on his face yeah, is yeah. like nuts. But, yeah, sometimes those tactical decisions have to be made, and it's just unfortunate it had to be you that day. Yeah. How difficult was it to actually play under those circumstances in that climate? The ball just moves differently. Like, you, you really can't have that close control that you normally have. Um, and even the passing the ball was a bit different than normal. But you, you kind of just tried to play close to each other. Like, you couldn't really play longer distance uh, passes and stuff like that. The ball would get away from you. So we tried to – we played in a 4-4-2 shape. Uh, we kind of transitioned into that so that we had four players in the midfield closer on the ball. And we kind of just tried to play – uh, through our midfield and try to go to goal that way instead of normally going wide and hitting the channels. Yeah, I couldn't imagine playing in those conditions. I know as a kid, I'm from Ohio. Mike T hasn't experienced as much snow as me, him, him being from here in Virginia. But on snow days, you know, I used to hit up one of our other co-hosts, shout out to Poopas, who's not here on this episode, but I'd hit him up on snow days and we'd go down to the park and we didn't play uh, soccer. We played American football and, you know, yeah. foot, keeping your footing in those kind of conditions are – it is is pretty tough. So it was definitely fun to watch. Nicole, you heard that right. His name is Poopus. <laughs> I wanna, I, yeah. I mean, that's, I would assume that's a last name. But no, actually, it's, a, it's a bit about yeah. Just another nickname. We won't we won't get too deep into it. But we talked about the temperature <laughs> and the uh, the snow itself. But I, I can't imagine being a team that comes in there, being Portland. You come into not only the altitude, but you come into damn near a blizzard. So that can't be an easy adjustment for them to come into. No, it wasn't. That's why we were a bit disappointed to tie that game in the end. But, uh, I mean, with getting a red card and having it for 70 minutes, we were pretty happy to get a tie in the end, to be honest. You did well to come out with a tie. So you spoke about having the opportunity to go through a full preseason. In two straight offseason, you ventured across the pond to train with elite-level talent. In 2018, you ventured to Germany to train with Freiburg. And in 2019, you ventured to London to train with the Arsenal U23 squad. Training with Arsenal, the team you support and have watched growing up, must have been surreal. 
How has that opportunity impacted your growth as a player mentally and physically? Yeah, it was, it was probably one of the best experiences I've had as a player because I, I supported the, uh, the Gooners or Arsenal um, uh, growing up as a kid. So that was, uh, yeah, I see that in the background. Liverpool, baby. Yeah, yeah. I've got one as well. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but um, it's a different team, better team. But you guys, <laughs> to be fair, you guys did beat us uh, the other day pretty, pretty easy. But, yeah, it was, it was a pretty – a uh, good experience for me because I, I started with the U23 side over there, but I did get to train with the first team a bit and playing like my, I had a small sided uh, team one day and it was Ozo, Lacazette, Bellerin, Tierney, David Luiz were all on my team. And for me, it's just crazy because you watch those guys week in, week out in the prem and now you're in a, a inner squad match um, in training against them. And it, it was just pretty cool to play with them because, it just shows how, how good they are, but it also shows that you can play at that level uh, if you really apply your trade and continue to work hard. Was it surprising yeah. being able to play, you know, inner squad with them and just being like, holy cow, I can hang with some of these guys? Yeah, uh, to be honest, it was because, like, I'm just a kid from Colorado, so you don't really uh, expect expect that. And you, you watch them from the age of, like, 10 or 11 on the TV. So you get over there and you watch Ozil. Like for me, he was the guy that I always watched. Um, like his first couple of years at Arsenal, he was amazing. And then now he's in training, passing me the ball and stuff like that, and having to go against him as well. So it, it was just crazy for me to be able to do that. But then, yeah, to see myself actually be able to um, hold my own against them and actually do well in the trainings over there, uh, it was pretty good for me and my confidence as well that I know I can play at that level. Definitely. And so we just talked about you training with the first team a little bit. You also got a chance to play against them in a 2019 preseason friendly. What was it like being on that yeah. side of the ball? Yeah, that one, I mean, that was very cool as well. Um, that was mostly U23 players once I went over there in the winter uh, that we did play against in that friendly. But they did have a couple um, guys in there that were first team. I mean, that was kind of the start of Bukayo Saka. Uh, I think he scored his first goal against us, and now he's – yeah, maybe regular starter for them. So uh, we did get to play against some good players that day. And uh, I wish I got to play the full 90, but we actually had a game uh, in the league two days before that. And then a game four days after that. So the coach, he wasn't even going to let me play, but I had to, I had to beg him. I was like, come on, this is my club that I've watched since I was younger. You got to let me play at least 45. So I, I ended up getting a half in there and, and uh, it was a pretty cool experience. Both of those instances are story tales they're they're fairy tales you know they're what every young soccer player aspires to get to uh, so I think that's really cool I didn't disclose this but I am also an Arsenal fan <laughs> and I didn't get to throw the shade at Mike D when we were discussing yeah. Liverpool a seven to two loss yesterday against <laughs> Aston Villa you, you, uh, you hate to see it. I love to see it or if you're Mike D you really really hate to see it but he's been spoiled so a loss like that was coming yeah that's true. You know, we'll, we'll take it. It's so what, but you go on. What was the overall experience like? You said you're just a, a kid from Colorado, and then you go over to London, one of the biggest cities in the world. What was that like, that experience? Yeah, I, I mean, I love London, to be honest. I think the, at least the way that Arsenal set it up for me, they gave me a host family that I moved into uh, for the two, two and a half weeks that I was over there. And now I became really close to that host family. And we, I mean, I was just texting them yesterday because uh, she's a Liverpool fan, actually, the one that, one of the people that lives in the house. So she was texting me about the Liverpool-Arsenal game. 
but the other the other people in the house are Arsenal fans, so uh, I've I've stayed close with them, and and they've kind of followed me throughout uh, my journey in MLS, and they they kind of want to see me back over there, and obviously it's every kid's dream to play in the Premier League and stuff like that, so um, I, I had a really good setup over there, and then uh, it's just pretty cool to see how those guys live like like live day in day out, especially in London and going to London Colney and training every single day because just their training ground is. I mean, if you guys ever get a chance to see a training ground over there, a, a top six club, it's actually pretty incredible what they have over there. Like their U18 locker room is even crazy to me, um, just compared to other locker rooms that I've been in, not just here, but in, in Germany and other, other places throughout the world as well. So uh, I loved it. And hopefully one day we, we can go back over there and, and play and stay. I can only imagine that feeling, you know, stepping on training ground of a top six club like you talked about. I mean, insane, insane. I can only imagine the feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of what every kid, like, looks towards when you're younger. Obviously, it's playing in their stadiums, but to get to see, it, like, in person, the, the life that they live every single day of showing up to the training ground and how they put in so much work and stay there late hours and doing extra stuff, it was pretty cool to me. Yeah, well, hey. Maybe in the future here, uh, soon we'll see you over in a European club. Who knows? But we'll, we'll touch on that here in a little bit. <laughs> so going back to the MLS, um, in 2019, you played in 20 matches and recorded two goals, two assists. And in just 565 minutes this season, you've recorded four goals and four assists. What is attributed to that uptick in offensive production for you? I, I would just say a big part of it has been Robin Frazier, to be honest. Um, as a coach, he's really kind of taken me under his wing in, in regards to positioning, especially uh, in the way that I kind of manipulate defenders and stuff like that and the positions that I get into. Uh, I really feel like he's kind of given me the freedom to, to make the forward runs that I like to make out of the eight position and, and get into the box and score goals for our team because he knows that if I do get into those positions, hopefully I'll finish at least one off a game. So um, I think it's – attributed to him and then also my teammates I think they've been giving me the ball in really good spots like a lot of my goals have just been set up by them and I'm just finishing it off Um, but it's been good play by my teammates and good balls by them so I think it's attributed to both but um, it's also been a lot of work on the training ground like a lot not a lot of people see it but I always try to be the last one on the training ground and and get my finishing in every single day so that when I get the chances in the game I can try to put them away. That's, that's a very mature answer, and I think you just discussed Arsenal and how those players stay after for an extra tra- training session. So maybe those guys rubbed off on you in that regard and, and your work ethic and what have you. But I, I do think it's, it's, you, you are always in the box. Most yeah. of your goals have come from inside the 18. You've had a couple headers, a couple one-time balls. So your movement in space is really good, and your teammates are doing a great job to find you. One thing that I have noticed, though, you've always kind of had that freedom, not freedom to roam, but you're more of Mm -hmm. one of the offensive midfielders, not necessarily a 10, but an eight. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Kellen Acosta, who we had on the podcast as well, we interviewed him during the MLS's back tournament and asked him a question then. It was about, you know, how many touches do you want to have on the ball for you to feel effective? And at that point, he was playing more of a defensive role. And some articles I've been reading, it seems like Jack Price is kind of acting as the lone six where you and where you and Kellen are kind of taking turns making runs into the offensive third. So has that tactical change been a part of that uptick? 
Yeah, probably. Um, I think playing as a, a dual threat with Kellen as, as the other eight, <clears throat> I think we've been good at it so far. And hopefully it can continue throughout the year. But um, I think we balance each other well. Like like you said, he's he's a bit more defensive than me. I'd say I'm more of – I mean, I'm not a true 10, but I, I'd say I'm more of the attacking midfielder out of us too. But even even for him, maybe his stats don't show it as much this year, but that guy's had so many chances. Like, he, he's hit the post a couple of times. He did score last game, and it got called back for somebody being offsides, like six passes before his goal. So he's he's been turning up his offensive production as well, and he's been getting a really good position. So – I think we balance each other well. And then we have a guy uh, in Jack Price that really just likes distributing the ball and, and dictating the tempo behind us. So I think that gives us a good balance. And defensively, he's kind of more the the tackler and likes to go into um, challenges. But I like to be kind of the front foot uh, guy that starts to press. So I think that's worked well for us. With the departure of Kai, you know, um, I'm sure that the tactic had to change a little bit. When he was there, you know, it was find his head, right? And And now yeah. it's probably trying to – trying to run through the middle a little bit more and, and, and push him right up the pipe. So I'm sure that has something to do with it, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kai was <clears> – <throat> I definitely miss Kai because he, he definitely took me under his wing once he, once he showed up. And um, there was a lot of people saying, like, uh, when he first came, like, trying to be the next Alfonso Davies with him uh, teaching you and stuff like that. But uh, we never kind of saw it as that way. We were just good friends, and we thought we had a pretty good connection on the field. And I finally got to, like, it, it took a while for us to, to really get that connection and, and know where we're going to go on crosses. But he would stay after with me a lot of days and work on my crossing and try to find his head. And it finally came off in the San Jose game. We got one together. But, um, yeah, we've, we have had to change our style a bit because of Kai because it was more of a cross-oriented um, game because we knew how dangerous he was in the air. But, yeah, now we have the players where maybe we have to go through the middle a bit more or uh, our wingers, Nomley's been kind of dropping a bit deeper and, and getting the ball to his feet. Maybe it's runs through the lines and stuff like that. So it, it has changed a bit. Yeah, and saying that you guys are going without Kai Kamara is not a slight against Rubio or Shinyashiki, his replacements as well. One quote that I have from Jonathan Lewis that really goes to attest to your stats this year and your improvement from 2-2 two and two last year to 4-4 four and four in just 565 minutes this year Jonathan Lewis recently came out and said, he's not playing like a homegrown anymore. He's playing like a full-fledged pro. I think for me, that's the biggest thing, and that's why he's been really successful. He's always had the talent, but it's about him now fitting into those shoes. So I think that's really cool to hear from a teammate. You're getting that kind of praise from another young player. Yeah, I, I mean, me and Johnny are probably uh, – He's one of my better friends in the team. Uh, I was going to say best friends, but me and Sammy Vines are probably the closest. Um, but, yeah, me and Johnny talk all the time. And, uh, like, he's in the U23 setup in the, and the senior team setup for the national team. So, obviously, I kind of pick his brain a bit about how to get in that as well. But um, I think he's really – he's helped me out with certain things in the game that I didn't really look for before. I was – when I first came into the first team, I was a bit more safe. And, uh, like he said, I was playing more like a homegrown, like, just trying to do my job and stay in the team. But now uh, I'm really trying to take the team um, to the next level, and that's reaching the playoffs. So for me, that's getting goals and assists and really having an impact on the game that I wasn't doing before. And he's kind of helped me with that because I wasn't really looking for certain balls that, that I'm trying to play to him now and, and try to turn and drive in the pocket. So uh, he's helped me with that. And obviously getting praise from teammates um, is always nice because they know they have confidence in you. Yeah. 
And your uptick in numbers has teams are noticing teams across the pond are beginning to notice. So in your bedroom, Cole, you have a board where all your goals are listed. Number two on that board is to play in Europe. You've trained with two European clubs and are even linked to a move to Freiburg with Brendan Aronson reportedly going to Red Bull Salzburg and another and a number of other MLSers and Americans rumored are playing across the pond. How important is it to you to play in Europe and have there been any more concrete offers? Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool to see Brennan. Um, we're, we're, I wouldn't say we're good friends, but we went to the rookie symposium together and we went to the homegrown game together. So it's great to see him doing so well. And um, I, I just see Twitter news too. So looks like he's going there, but uh, I'm not for sure either. But um, yeah, Europe is definitely one of my, my biggest dreams. I think as a footballer, if that's not one of your dreams to play in a top five league in Europe and, and stay over there consistently, then you're really not dreaming big. So that's always been one of my um, things that I've made known to my youth coaches when I was younger. I always told them that I wanted to play over there, and probably some of them didn't believe that I could. But um, I really think that uh, if I continue to work and, and have self-belief that I can get over there. Uh, and, yeah, hopefully um, if, if you just keep working on yourself and, and really, <clears throat> like, for me, I just have to focus on Colorado. If, if I continue to do well with Colorado, then – um, hopefully something pops up, uh, like you guys said, with offers and stuff like that. So I'm really right now, I'm just focused on Colorado and we have 10 games left to, to get into the playoffs and uh, I got to try to help lead my team to, to get in there. Yeah, you guys are seventh place right now. You're above the playoff line. You have two games in hand because of what's been going on with the COVID situation. But you got a little bit of a taste of the profe- – like you're getting obviously you're a pro for Colorado, but you're getting a taste of what it's like to be – at a top five league club over in both Germany and with Arsenal. So I think that the sky is the limit for you and the potential that you have is out of this world. Your ceiling is super high. And I know that we talked, we talked to Brendan Aronson actually two weeks ago when we first figure, when we first heard the rumors about the Red Bull Salzburg move. And I think something for you is coming in the, in the near future. Yeah. I mean, uh it definitely is a dream and like you guys said with the the european stuff um getting the opportunity to train over there with freiburg arsenal and i also went over and and trained with hoffenheim as well uh after arsenal uh last winter so i got two training experiences there and uh all of those really helped me in different ways because just playing under different coaches and different styles really helps uh mold your game in so many different ways because you can develop as a player all the way around so uh, I obviously got Steve Bold and Unai Emery at Arsenal and then uh, at Hoffenheim and Freiburg I got some really good coaches that um, probably people don't know over here in, in uh, the U.S. but they're, they're very good coaches over there so uh, I was very happy to get those experiences and hopefully those lead to something in the future. What exactly happened with the Freiburg deal? Was there ever a concrete deal proposed? Uh, yeah there was there was a deal proposed um, but I, I really don't know exactly what happened too much. Um, I've just always had ambitions of becoming a starter in Colorado. And I didn't really, I didn't think at the time that was probably the right thing for me to do. So um, I've just always had ambitions of helping this club get back to the playoffs um, and, and really trying to be a key contributor to this team. Cause at the time I, I wasn't really a key starter in our team. I was kind of in and out of the team, probably about a 50% starter. So I've really been trying hard to, to be that consistent player in the midfield spot. So that's what I've been focusing on is to do that before 
uh, anything else comes about. Yeah, yeah you've say. you've accomplished that goal. You were a staple <laughs> in the Colorado Rapids squad. I gotta say, you really have some some professional answers. You know, I, I really do appreciate. It. I mean, for a 19 year old, you know, taking you know whatever heat that we can come at you with, and I'm sure people other people come at you with a lot more heat. But you know, staying professional in your answers, I think, is is really an testament to your maturity. So that's that's hats off to you. But one more small little thing before we move on to our next question is we talked to Brendan a little bit about a move to Europe and he mentioned that if, you know, he was going to go, he might want to start at maybe a smaller club and then move up. And so something that I always thought was interesting when I heard that was what would your take be on, you know, moving to some big caliber club versus going to a smaller one where you can get some development? Would you want to be thrown right into something like that? Or would you maybe be okay with just like going anywhere to, to get some, some development before moving on to a bigger caliber club? <clears throat> yeah, uh, I kind of agree with Brendan, um, but I also think it, it d depends on the team. I mean, if there is a big club that comes in for you and they really have a, a project for your development and a plan of how they see uh, you fitting into their, their plans at the club, then uh, you would obviously go there. But if, if you're going to into a big team with a lot of big players and maybe that's not the right spot for your development, then maybe it is smarter to go to a, a club that's maybe a bit lower, but they still have a lot of quality and and continue to help your development. So I think for me, if, if a move comes about, it's it's got to help me develop more than I am right now because we have so many things coming up with the national team, with the U20 World Cup, with the Olympics, even with the senior team. Like that's a big goal for me is to try to get into the senior team. Um, they have the Gold Cup, the Nations League, the Hex is starting next year. So the World Cup's the year after that. So if you really want to be in the picture for those things, I think you have to Continue, like continue developing at the club that you're at or you have to make a jump to where you can develop even more but if you go to a club and then just sit on the bench I don't think that's gonna probably help your case with the national team so it's got to be something that's really right for your development yeah it's got it's got to be right for you and it's got to be right for the club as well yeah exactly 100 percent but yes, are you tell Cole are you telling me that if Arsenal came calling right now would you go i I probably would. I mean, I think most <laughs> most kids would. Um, Arsenal is one of the biggest clubs in the world. I, I don't think you can turn that down. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll we'll see if it, something ever happens with that. Hopefully. We'll see. Focus is on Colorado right now, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just, I'd, I'd love to see him in a Gunner jersey. Of course. I would love to as well, as much as that pains me to say. But keeping <laughs> on the U.S. men's national team, Anthony Hudson was your, your head coach at the Rapids when you first signed your homegrown deal. Now he's your head coach for the U-20 U.S. men's national team. You were called up to his first January camp and scored a brace to lead him to a win in his first ever match against Mexico. Describe your relationship with Hudson and how important he has been in your development as an MLS player and youth U.S. men's national team player. Yeah, he's been huge. Uh, I mean, he gave me my, my chance in Colorado. And when I came to – Colorado uh, I was I was on the Colorado Rush Academy team and I love the rush we it was probably I mean I was there from when I was four to age 16 so that's kind of all that I knew at the time but <clears throat> I wasn't really well known um, when I moved to the Rapids and when I first went in there I wasn't even a starter uh, at the start of the U17 Academy year, but uh, I got the opportunity to start training with the first team in the spring I believe in like February or March and he really just believed in me and, and he always stayed after him and his assistant coaches um, always just kind of just teaching me little things about the game that I didn't really know that well that uh, when I was in the academy and um, then he, he offered me a contract and, and 
brought me into the first team right away. I mean, I started starting games a month month after he signed me. So I owe a lot to him in that regard to just kind of put me in there early. Um, and he always said that, that I deserved it. Um, and I think I did. But to have the trust in me to actually put a 17-year-old in there against, I mean, it was Portland Timbers was my debut um, away from home, again, in front of 25,000 fans. So um, I, I owe a lot to him for that. And then the next year he continued to develop me. And, and now he's got uh, the role as our head coach in the national team. And um, I have a very good relationship with him. Uh, <clears throat> he's very honest with me and uh, I try to still learn from him daily. And uh, I always try to text him or he texts me after our games with Colorado and we try to go over film and stuff like that. And he actually was like in the, during the lockdown, he was really big for me. And uh, he brought up videos of Frank Lampard and watching his timing of runs into the box and stuff like that. And I really think that's helped my game a lot is watching Frank Lampard and how he times his runs. So um, I, I owe a, a lot to him and hopefully this year we can, we can qualify for the world cup and, and do big things there. Yeah. You would love to see it. And I think it's really cool to have that backing. You know, we talk about confidence when you have the backing, you know, of a coach like that, or you have the backing of your, your fellow teammates that helps you to build on that confidence and it's only going to do great things for you. So it's, it's super cool to hear that, that aspect and that it's been so good for you so far with that. Yeah. I mean, confidence is one of the biggest things in the game. Uh, some players, I, I mean, if you have confidence, you really can do anything uh, in the game because you just have so much belief in yourself. So I think it's it's great to be playing in a manager that trusts you. Um, and that's why I've had to earn Robin's trust here in Colorado. And <clears throat> hopefully if I continue to put in performances, um, that will pay off and he'll have trust in me. And then with the national team with Anthony, um, if you continue to win games uh, and put in good performances, he'll have trust in you to hopefully move you up to the senior team and um, get you in there with Greg. That would be huge for you. But you said you're focusing more so on qualifying for the, the 2021 U20 World Cup. I think that is a pivotal moment in your career at that point with the youth national team. And I think if, if you have yourself a good tournament there, which I expect you to, mm -hmm. I think that that is when we talked about that move to Europe. I think all eyes will be on you at that World <laughs> Cup. And I think, that's, I think that's when it comes. Yeah, I mean, obviously we have to qualify first. Um, CONCACAF is never easy. I mean, we, we saw that with the senior team. It, there's some tricky games in there. So we don't know when it will be happening yet. We, are, we don't have any clue. Um, so hopefully that does happen because we don't want that to be canceled. That would be a shame if the, the 20 World Cup got canceled. But I think it will go through and we'll have qualifying. And I think we have a really good group to do it. I mean, there's a lot of younger kids that maybe you guys don't know about um, that I don't even know about that are performing well. So I think we'll have a good group and hopefully we can go do some damage at qualifying. It's it's good though. It's competition, and <clears throat> it, it'll make the team better. Cause you got younger kids that are trying to push into our spots. Uh, the older age group of the O ones. Um, you've got O twos and O threes that are trying to come in. So, I think it's better for us because you have to perform every day in training when you get there. It, it's different than a club setup. I mean, you you don't have much time when you're with the national team. So, well, the, from day one of training, you you really got to be on top of it. Um, and then in games as well, you have to win games um, if you want to get into the World Cup and go well uh, or deep into it. So uh, I think the, the talent that we have in this group and how much depth we have is, is really going to help us. I completely agree. And with the schedule, the upcoming schedule for the senior U.S. men's national team, you named some of the competitions that they'll be playing in. And with that being said, I think – roster rotation for the U.S. men's national team. The senior team is going to be big to keep people fresh, 
you know, make sure they can get back to their clubs. So I think that we're talking about you and the U20 squad, but I think there's a chance with roster rotation going on. I think there's a chance that you, you could get pulled up to play in some of these competitions as well. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we were pretty lucky in January at the January camp that the senior team was there with us and we actually got the scrimmage against them. So Greg obviously watched that game because his team was playing in it. And then they came to our games versus Mexico as well. Um, and they've been watching all of our games in MLS as well. So that, was, that would be a dream of mine. I mean, my two teammates, Johnny and, and Sammy, um, both got to be in that January camp. And I was very happy for them because especially Sammy, that was his first camp. And I just saw how excited he got. And that made me want to be there as well. So hopefully um, in the near future, that can be something that comes about. But it, it, you just got to focus on right now and keep putting in performances. And that's how you get there. Yep, very, another very mature answer from you, Cole. Uh, we, we, lo- we look forward to your future with the U.S. men's national team. But listeners, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, Added Time Outfitters. We'll be back in 60 seconds. We all love the beautiful game. We spend countless hours watching, tweeting, discussing, playing, and talking about the sport. And we all have our favorite memories when our teams made history. Moments like Liverpool's miracle in Istanbul or Celtics 2-1 triumph over arguably the best Barca side ever. Those moments that keep us coming back for more. But what if you could carry those moments with you all the time? Added Time Outfitters creates soccer-inspired wristbands that let you wear those memories on your wrist. Each reversible, elastic design gives supporters of the beautiful game a unique way to rep their favorite team in any setting. With wristbands for your favorite teams from across Europe, the USA, and beyond, each added time design incorporates a 90-minute story from that famous match. Check out all 24 of Added Time Outfitters' current designs on the web at www.addedtime.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Added Time Outfitters. Thanks for sticking around. Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 12 of MLS Gone Wild. Head over to Added Time Outfitters' website for your soccer-inspired apparel, including stickers and bracelets. Use promo code GONEWILD, all one word, G-O-N-E-W-I-L-D, at checkout to get 10% off your entire order. 2020 has been all about MLS teams playing their kids. In your recent 2-0 win over LA Galaxy, your starting 11 had an average age of 24.9, the youngest starting 11 this season for you guys. In a recent interview, head coach Robin Frazier said, so I'm really proud of a lot of the young guys who we see making strides every week. We definitely want to invest in our youth, and we see some of the young players coming through from the academy and even some of the players we brought in who are young players. We're very much about developing players, and we feel like we have a really good group. With that being said, what are the Rapids doing to enable youth development and homegrowns and your acquisitions? Yeah, our, our, it starts with our GM, Porig Smith. He's, uh, ever since he's came in, he's had a real emphasis on trying to bring in players from the academy and, and get them into the first team. And then also bringing in young players from across the league, like John Lewis and Austin Trusty that um, maybe weren't playing as much at their clubs, but they're very good players and they're in the national team setup and um, they can get a chance here. So I think it starts from the top and then um, it's down to the coach to play them. And, and he's been giving us a chance. I mean, every single one of us. There's uh, the new kid, Brian Galvan from Argentina. Uh, he's came in. He's already got a goal, uh, which is which is big for him. And you saw how excited he was. So that was great for him. And the rest of us, um, we're, we're all 
we just we're excited about the young core that we have. I think we have a lot of energy that we bring in the games, and that young core is kind of the start of it. I think that's really changed our our playing style and how we compress teams, and hopefully it continues to happen that uh, all these young guys continue to do well. Yeah, Brian Galvan, he was definitely excited after scoring his goal against RSL in that Rocky Mountain Cup. What exactly happened to, like, fuel that scuffle? What, what was Everton Luis so upset about? Uh, I, it was something to do with, like, what Brian Galvan said in Spanish. And uh, I think they thought he was showboating in the corner a bit as well um, when he was doing a couple moves. But that's just kind of the player that he is. He likes to be a bit more flashy, but they took it the wrong way. So I think that kind of fueled the scuffle. Um, and, yeah, it just escalated from there. Yeah, a little fact that I read, that was actually Real Salt Lake's biggest loss in team history, 5-0. And you guys hadn't even beat them in, in your last five outings against them. So I think Everton Luis was a little butthurt. Yeah, I mean, ever since I've came to the club, I'd never played them actually. Um, since I, I think we played against them five times, but I was always a sub and I never came into the match. Um, and to be fair, they've beat us pretty bad as well. I think they beat us 6-0 two years ago. And I was about to make my debut that game, but thank goodness I did not. <laughs> so uh, they, they've beat us pretty bad as well. So it's not like uh, it hasn't been the other way around, but that, that did feel pretty good. Um, but we know that we, we do have a game against them, I think, in two weeks, three weeks maybe. So we know they're going to come back at us um, pretty ready to go, and, and they'll be firing on all cylinders in that one. So it'll be, it'll be a fun game. I, I can't wait for that one. Yeah, we look forward to that rematch. The Rocky Mountain Cup is always a fun one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, at least th this one, we've had so many games this year against them, so it feels a bit different than normal seasons. But this one won't count towards it. Luckily, we did get the cup, but it still matters in playoffs, playoff race. So we're excited. Just touching one more thing on the, the acquisitions in, you know, homegrown youth development. We talked to, to Brennan Aronson, and – you know, he shed some light a little bit on the YSC Academy, which is, for those of you who may not know, it's a school that's designed around education and also soccer. I thought that this concept was incredible, um, combining both sport and schooling, something much like they do over in a lot of parts of Europe. Do you think this is a beneficial approach, and would you like to see something like this for Colorado? Yeah, I mean, I think it is. It allows kids to be brought in from all over. Uh, I know one of their players that we used to play against, he's from Texas, and then he moved to Philly. Um, and then one of my friends who's on the national team, he moved from Florida to Philly to be in the YSC Academy. So um, I think they've, they've got a really good system there, and it shows with the players like Brendan and Mark and Anthony Fontana, Matthew Real. I mean, they've just got so many guys up there that are doing well. So I think it is a beneficial approach, and – um, I don't know what Colorado's plans are with that in uh, regards to the academy, but I, I think it would be beneficial if they did start one because um, we've, we've had a lot of kids that are recruited from different clubs, and I think that's really paid off for um, the homegrown signings that they've made because not a lot of us really were rapids through and through. Uh, Sammy Vines is probably the only one that really came from a super young age and went through. So um, I think it is probably beneficial to do something like that. Yeah, I, I had never seen anything like that, and I just think that that would be great. I mean, you don't see a whole lot of that in American soccer, so I would definitely agree with you yeah. that it would be beneficial. But we talk about, you know, the youth. We talk about MLS teams playing their younger guys. We watched a video the MLS did on you. It was kind of a short documentary video, and it pretty, I'm pretty sure it was in the same room you're sitting in right now. 
Uh, and, and in this video, you know, we got to see some cool insight, you know, the goals that you get to write down, checking off all those boxes, you know, along the way. Um, something that really stood out for me in this video was when you talked about not making the U14 Colorado Academy team. It resonated with me personally because, and this is obviously totally opposite side of the spectrum, I, Blake and I both played D3 college soccer together. Uh, Blake was recruited from Ohio, and I was a walk-on here at Virginia Beach. And mm -hmm. so I had got a workout packet, you know, and was doing my thing all summer long alone and went in, tried out, and, you know, I didn't make the cut. And I remember driving home from the day when I didn't see my name on the list. And, I mean, you were 13 at the time, but me, I was 18, 19 years old, and I was yeah. sobbing like a baby mm -hmm. in the car ride home. And it was one of the lowest moments for me because it was something that I had failed at where I wanted it so badly. And so for me, I respected that part of the video because you talked about how it made you work so much harder than you had ever worked before. And it kind of changed you as a person in terms of your work ethic. So what would your message be to the youth who are looking at Cole Bassett saying, I want to be just like him one day? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like you said, <clears throat> that did change me a lot and it probably changed you as well uh, with how much harder you work to, to get back to that point, to be on that team. But <clears throat> for the youth coming through, I mean, I think you do have to have a certain confidence in yourself, but outworking people, I, I really believe in, in putting in the work and, and it will get you somewhere. When I was, after I didn't make that team, I started, I changed my school schedule around. I started training uh, at 7 a.m. I'd do a finishing session. Then we'd have actual training at four o'clock and then I'd stay um, after with another team and train. Uh, and then sometimes I'd stay after that and just do stuff on my own. But I was normally doing around three sessions a day um, for about three days a week. And then the other days that were closer to game, I'd do one or two. But at that young of an age, you, you could do so much because you have so much energy and, and stuff like that. So I really think putting in the work um, will get you somewhere because I wasn't the most talented kid when I was younger. Uh, I was never highly regarded as one of U.S. soccer's big, biggest prospects or anything like that that you see hyped up these 13 or 14-year-old kids. Um, that everybody thinks are going to be the next Messi and stuff like that. So <clears throat> I wasn't really well known and, and I just kind of like to stay under the radar and put in hard work. And it's not like I've changed, to be honest, since I was 13. I, I still try to be the hardest working guy in our dressing room and, and throughout the country, to be honest, because uh, I know that there's guys that are still ahead of me in the game. I mean, if you want to play in the Premier League or in one of Europe, Europe's top five leagues, you have to put the work in. So that would be my message to young kids is just believe in yourself first off, because you really can do anything if you believe in yourself and, and put in the work. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I don't know if I mentioned it because I got so wrapped up in talking about it in the beginning, but I did actually make a team the next year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Hey, and that's, that's how it was for me too. So, I mean, I bet you put in a ton of work in, in that off season to try to get back there. So, I mean, I, I think it does pay off um, if you do keep going for it and keep trying over and over again. Absolutely. And if I saw it correctly, Cole, you actually – trained with some with some girls teams as well just to get yeah, touches yeah. on the ball yeah I did um to be fair our girls were pretty good back then like the Colorado Rush girls setup was probably highly touted or more touted than the boys setup so we did have some good girls back then and they're actually like some of them are in the youth national team setup now and then um I mean we've got Lindsay Haran who's in the women's national team and I'm good friends with her now but obviously I wasn't training with her she's a bit older but I, w I would stay out. I literally just tried to get any, any touches that I could on the ball. I mean, it didn't matter who I was playing against. Uh, I literally just tried to keep getting touches and reps on the ball and, and 
at Rush, we normally just played a lot. They were a big believer in just playing games and, and getting reps that way. So if I could just jump into a girl's scrimmage and work on dribbling, that, that was fine with me. So I really didn't care how it came. I just needed to try to play as much as possible. You're very humble, and it sounds like you have a chip on your shoulder. Not that you need to, but it's kind of driving you to be the hardest working player on the pitch uh, when you walk into the Colorado Rapids dressing room, when you walk into the U-20s U.S. Men's National Team locker room. You want to be the hardest working player in that locker room or on the pitch, and that's going to bode well for you in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think I do need to have a chip on my shoulder just because maybe not a chip on my shoulder, but I know that I have certain dreams I want to aspire to. So. Um, just continuing to reach for those and, and trying to um, be a consistent player in Europe for, in a top five league for many years because I think those are the best players are the ones that can consistently do it week in, week out, and, and stay over there. So that's my goals, and um, the only way that I see I can do that is to continue to work, like you said. Absolutely. The more reps you get in, the better it'll translate on the pitch. Yeah, hopefully. In a match. Yeah, yeah. So you've talked about a couple big-name players. Anthony Hudson would send you videos of Frank Lampard so you could study Frank Lampard's movement off the ball and his runs. You've also mentioned some of the players, including Mesut Ozil, that you trained with at Arsenal. Who is your favorite player to watch or have watched in the past? In the past Doesn't was ha- Frank Lampard. Okay. It was. But I like – I mean, the modern game is different, though. I mean, the, all those players in the past were great and – they all it was kind of a different style back then but the game's evolving and it's a lot more fast-paced now so um kind of watching players nowadays are like that I mean Kevin De Bruyne is hard not to watch just with how good of a two-way midfielder he is and how much production he gets but he also puts in work on the defensive side so I mean I'd say he's probably my favorite player to watch um but besides that I mean I've been trying to watch guys that are maybe not as highly touted um, like Kevin De Bruyne, like everybody knows him um, super well, but maybe a guy like James Madison uh, for Leicester City, even though maybe he's a bit more of a true 10 than me, but um, I really like his confidence on the ball and his uh, kind of his swagger with his dribbling and finishing ability as well. So maybe guys like that, um, even Ross Barkley, he hasn't maybe done that well at Chelsea or a guy like Mason Mount, I would say. Um, guys like that is who I really like to watch. Maybe they're not the biggest name, but they're, they're up and coming, and um, I really like their play style. That's awesome. Yeah, Kevin De Bruyne, I love that you gave him a shout. Back in the day, I used to beat up on Mike D in college playing FIFA like 13 or 14 Kevin, when, yeah. He was, yeah, when he was at Wolfsburg. You know, no, nobody played yeah. with Wolfsburg, and I was out there smacking him with KDB. <laughs> this is true. Preseason, we came in, and we actually played each other in FIFA for who was yeah. in the room, and he beat me. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I, I actually beat him to the townhouse, and he was supposed to be staying in this room, and this yeah. room had an incredible window. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to put all my stuff in here, and when he gets here, if he wants to play me in FIFA and beat me, he can have it. <laughs> That's how the friendship started. <laughs> yeah, it had been going on for a little while. Oh, that was a little bit. That was a that was a bump in the road. He was a little bit salty about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's funny. I like that. <laughs> So we reached out to a bunch of people trying to get questions. Of course, the only person we hear back from is Kellen Acosta. Kellen Acosta <laughs> wants us to ask you about your style, your swagger, your drip. Uh, you he's, he's always, you or Kellen? 
Kellen does. I mean, <laughs> he's he's known on the team as the best dresser. That's probably why he's giving it. But, like, to be fair, he's got more money to spend on clothes, so he should have nicer or better fashion. <laughs> but <clears throat> he's always he's always giving me crap about my fashion. Like, I mean, when I first joined the team, like, all I wore was soccer jerseys and stuff like that. So, literally on the first trip, they gave us per diem, which is – I mean, you guys probably know playing college soccer. You guys get it a little bit. So on my first trip, um, they gave us per diem, and we were in California for a week because we played Galaxy and LAFC. And the coaching staff literally said to me, because all I had was soccer jerseys at the time, like I was wearing an Arsenal kit um, in the hotel, and they were like, you need to go out with these guys and spend some money on clothes. So I went out and got some, and my fashion's gotten better since then. And Kellen's actually went with me and, like, hand-picked out stuff. <laughs> like, I, like I, I had to like it, but, like, he was helping me with it. And <clears throat> I think – personally i'm one of the better dressed on the team now i'd say like top six but he probably <laughs> wouldn't give that to me but he always he's always giving me crap about it yeah you can't top Kellen. i swear every rapids game day i get on instagram yeah, and there's a picture of him it. getting out of his vehicle with some flashy outfit yeah. on yeah i mean sometimes they're not always like i mean there was one where he wore like a suit and then uh-huh. he had like shorts with the suit <laughs> yeah like, i i would never wear that but he considers a drip, and a lot of other people did too. So, I mean, fair play to him. He pulls it off well. Yeah. Like, he, he's, got, he's got a good style, and he's kind of like a – he does modeling sometimes, so he's he's got good style. But uh, I don't know. I think I deserve a bit more credit from him. That's funny, man. Thanks, thanks for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike D., I don't have any further questions. Do you have anything else for Cole Bassett? Nah, Cole, you've been a great guest. Super mature for a 19-year-old. I think this has been one of the most relaxing interviews that we've done, I think. A lot of fun. Um, yeah. Hope that everything stays relatively normal with the COVID situation. You guys get back to play, and, and everybody that's in the Colorado Rapids organization gets healthy soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I mean, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I really enjoyed this podcast. It was some different questions like that, that are mixed up a bit and, and well-written out and stuff like that. So appreciate you guys having me on and if you guys ever need anything in the future uh, i'm always here for you guys will do yeah again cole thanks for joining the show you've been a great guest we hope and we look forward to seeing you guys play on wednesday against lafc like i mentioned earlier you guys sit in seventh place and you guys have two games in hand due to your current situation but you play wednesday best of luck to you and best of luck to you best of luck to you throughout the rest of the season And we look forward to seeing your career, whether it's in the MLS or overseas, and your career with the U.S. men's national team. So, Cole, thank you for joining MLS Gone Wild, man. Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. So, from Blem and Mike D., also from Cole Bassett, thank you guys for tuning in. Give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, MLS Gone Wild. Interact with us there. Also, you guys can listen to our podcast anywhere you listen, Apple, Spotify, Anchor. Give us a rating, review, subscribe, so you guys are up to date on our most recent podcasts. From us here at MLS Gone Wild, this was Season 2, Episode 12. We'll catch you guys next week. Stay safe, stay home, stay healthy, wear a mask, cheer for Cole. Catch y'all later. Peace.